In this devotional, I'm going to share with you three thoughts from Genesis 38, verses 6 through 11, where I'll ask the question, what is going on with Tamar? Genesis 38, verses 6 through 11 says, And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Go in to your brother's wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her, and raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he went in to his brother's wife, he would waste the semen on the ground, so as not to give offspring to his brother. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till Shelah, my son, grows up, for he feared that he would die like his brothers. So Tamar went and remained in her father's house. The story of Judah and Tamar is one of those that really causes some questions to the modern Western mind because everything that's going on with this relationship between Judah and Tamar and Judah's signs is just so very confusing because it's removed from the way that we live today. But hopefully by looking at Genesis 38 verses 6 through 11, we can start to figure out what is going on with Tamar and learn a little bit from that as well. So here are three thoughts from that section of scripture. Thought number one, put to death. Judah's sons, two of them, were put to death by God. The first one, we don't have any details on. We don't have any details on what Judah's firstborn did in order to make the Lord angry enough at him to put him to death. But what we see is that that is what takes place. He is wicked in the sight of God and God puts him to death. And then his little brother Onan is also wicked in the sight of God, and God puts him to death as well. So God here has killed two of the sons of Judah, two of the descendants of that great promise that was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Two of those people in that lineage are now put to death, and they're put to death because they are doing that which is wicked in the sight of God. And from this, we get a little bit of a picture of the seriousness of sin, because sin inevitably results in death, whether it's God putting you to death because he's through with your wickedness, or just the inevitability of death because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin are what? The wages of sin are death. Thought number two, kinsman redeemer. So you might be asking, what in the world is going on in this situation where Judah is telling his second son that he needs to pretty much impregnate his sister-in-law? Well, here's the way this works. The inheritance was passed down through the sons, not the daughters. And because the inheritance is passed down through the sons and not the daughters, if you don't have any sons, then your family line is going to fall off. It's going to disappear. And what they did is they would take a kinsman redeemer who is just another relative within the family to provide sons for any widows who weren't able to have sons before their husbands died. And this is what's going on with Tamar. Tamar presumably has done nothing wrong, and yet her husband all of a sudden is out of the picture because the Lord killed him for his wickedness, and then she's supposed to 
get pregnant by her brother-in-law because that's how she's going to have children to carry on the name of her first husband. Well, this all seems very strange to us in the Western world, but this is precisely how they preserved the lines of family in the ancient world. And the Kinsman Redeemer is a picture of the ways that people are gracious in the ancient world that just seem a little out of sorts to us. It was a way of preserving the family line and making sure that there were people to inherit all of the possessions of their fathers. Thought number three, fear. Ultimately, Judah is ruled by fear. He is terrified. He has already lost two sons to wickedness. And when he has a third son that he should have married Tamar, he holds him back. He doesn't do what he ought to do. He holds him back and instead says, Tamar, go and live as a widow. And once my youngest son is old enough, I'm going to make sure that he does the kinsman redeemer duty and provide to his sons, except he never does it. And the reason he never does it is because he is terrified. He's absolutely horrified at the idea that yet another son might be struck down by God. So Judah isn't necessarily thinking about this straight. He doesn't have all of this in line in his mind because he is doing that which is wicked in the sight of God by holding back his son, by not letting him go and have children for the first son, giving Tamar some offspring. By holding that back, he is cheating her of what she is due. And all of this is profoundly significant for us because what we come to find out that it's through Tamar's eventual child by Judah, Perez, that the line of kings ultimately comes. Because after a few generations, David is produced by this very line. These three thoughts come from the assigned reading of Genesis chapters 36 through 39. If you'd like to read through the Bible with me, you can do so by subscribing to this channel, by clicking on the link in the description, or by joining the Facebook group Through the Bible where we are reading the text of scripture together.